Hello, I am Diane McGinley, and I'm here with Dr. Joseph McGinley, and this is our podcast, From Wyoming to Everest. We're here in the M Building in downtown Casper, Wyoming. We're chatting this very epic climb that you're about to do, a rapid ascent of Mount Everest in record-breaking time. One of the things that people will definitely see is that the McGinley Clinic is a sponsor of this climb for a very good reason. Why don't you talk us through a little bit why the McGinley Clinic is involved in your journey. Well, yeah, the McGinley Clinic sponsoring it, the reason being with any of these climbs, with any of these adventures, injuries happen, injuries occur. A couple years ago when I was attempting to climb Aconcagua in South America for the first time, when I got back, I was in such pain and my, my hip was just killing me. I couldn't walk around the block. It was clicking, it was locking, it was catching. I thought my climbing and adventure sports career was done at that point. So I ended up getting some imaging and what I ended up identifying was a labral tear in my hip. And with the labral tear, typically that requires surgery. So I consulted with some of my colleagues and friends who were surgeons and they said, yeah, you need surgery. Let's get you down to a sports surgeon. We'll get that fixed for you. As always, I don't do things the standard way. And uh, I went on and had a stem cell procedure that I self-assisted in and that got me back to climbing. So, you know, it was my own principles of, of trying more conservative care first and save surgery for last if needed. And that's what's got me back down the mountain. Some of my procedures that we've developed and that's what's getting me back out to Everest. So stem cells, your own body's superpowers at work. Before we get into your specific treatment, what are stem cells and how do they work? Yeah, stem cells are cells that circulate throughout your body. Anytime you have an injury in your body, it's stem cells that repair that tissue. As simple as, you know, cutting your skin or, you know, if you break a bone, it's stem cells that fix that tissue and, and put it back together again. So we're continuously making stem cells. Doesn't matter if you're one years old or 100 years old, uh, you have stem cells circulating throughout your body. And they're essentially the repair mechanism that fixes things when it's injured. Where do you get stem cells from? Stem cells are made in your own bone marrow. So they're made in all of your bones, but the largest area productions in your pelvis and, and essentially the side bones on the back of your pelvis. How do you get them out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people want to know that part of it. But, um, uh, so to do, there's several types of stem cell procedures if you Google this and look it up. But really, there's only one type that's very well proven, studied and scientific, and that's using your own bone marrow derived stem cells. To do that, you have to place a needle into your pelvic bone in the back and then you take the bone marrow out of the bone directly, exactly where it's being made. And then you process it right there in the room and then separates it out. You get the stem cells and that's what you use for the treatment injection. Process it? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I skipped a lot of steps there. Yeah, but, you did. <laughs> um, so starting a little bit back from the beginning, this is an outpatient procedure. You're awake okay. the whole time. I had a colleague of mine uh, help with this procedure for myself because I couldn't reach uh, around my back and get, to, and get my own stem cells. But I did guide the procedure. I used my augmented reality system and helped to guide that first procedure and location. Although it's not pain-free, it's not the worst thing in the world either. So you place a, a needle into the bone and then you essentially aspirate out or suck out the bone marrow. So it's mm -hmm. fluid that comes out. You then get that bone marrow and then spin it in a centrifuge. And the okay. centrifuge will separate those cells based on the optical density of the, the cell concentrate. So what does it look like? looks like blood. It looks like blood. But yes. how do you tell the different layers? Well, I don't. The machine does. And it does it based on the density of the cell. So every cell has a different density and the layers have different densities. And the centrifuge, as it's spinning, has a sensor and then it'll separate those cell contents based on the density of the material. How long does that take? Uh, it takes about 15, 20 minutes to yeah, spin down. it's pretty down. fast, Yeah, right? it's pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, you're awake the whole time in the room. You're watching it go on as mm -hmm. it's happening. 
Now you mentioned something that you kind of sped over that is definitely an interesting part of your doctoring and that is your AR, augmented reality. You could talk a little bit about how you used it in your own procedure here, but how you really use it with your patients is well, we have lots of uh, cool toys here in our office. So one of them is augmented reality for ultrasound. And this augmented reality system was developed in partnership with the University of Wyoming with the uh, College of Engineering. And this was developed out of necessity. I had a, a case in procedure. You know, I was working with these students from the College of Engineering and we we're working on different imaging uh, type modalities for medicine. And I had a patient that week uh, that was in a wheelchair. I had to do an ankle injection. Uh, I didn't want to make her try to get up on the table. so. I essentially got down on the floor and was doing the injection and looking back up at my ultrasound machine and twisting my neck in a crazy direction. And that's when the idea of the augmented reality for ultrasound, I said, man, if I had that device that we were working on, uh, it'd be perfect for this type of procedure. So that's literally how it came about. It took a year or two to develop, but we ended up commercializing that. And I use that in every procedure now in my office. And essentially what that is, is augmented reality means you can see everything in the room normally as it is and you're projecting additional information in that room. So I can see my ultrasound machine screen anywhere I want over the patient as I'm doing the procedure. So I'm completely comfortable, it's very ergonomic, and it's safer because I can see my hands as well as I'm doing the procedure. Yeah, and I think a kind of a cool thing that happens is how your brain synthesizes what you're seeing, the patient's wrist or knee or whatever, in conjunction with the ultrasound image, much like when you're driving a car and you can see the speed limit and the road at the same time, your brain is able to kind of synthesize both those pieces of information and I know if someone's going to stick a needle in me, I would like them to be looking at me. So I think uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. So for your procedure here to get your hip in shape, you were wearing the, the goggles and kind of chatting with a colleague about where to place well, the needle specifically. Yeah, my, like my colleague had not done the procedure before and I couldn't get anyone to, to do this with me. He ended up participating in this procedure and I guided him on this first case. So on this first case, I was using the augmented uh, reality system and I could see where the needle was coming in. Uh, again, I couldn't do it myself from that portion of it, but I could see and I was guiding the needle with the augmented reality. So I'm laying on the table, on the procedure table, <laughs> with crazy. the AR headset, <laughs> watching my and guiding my own procedure, which, hey, that's where, that's where innovation comes about. It comes about through necessity. And this worked out very well for this, for my procedure on that first yeah, case. for sure. And then, you know, after that, it goes a little bit crazier. At that point, after we did my spin down and got the cells and everything else, I did my own hip injection. So I, I put sterile gloves on and same thing, I had my AR headset on, my colleague was holding the ultrasound, or actually I was holding the ultrasound probe and I was doing my own hip injection with use of that AR system. Yeah, definitely one of those disclaimers of don't try this at home, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think I should mean, be on there maybe. Nobody else should try this. You're pretty adept, skilled, and do multiple, uh, obviously, injections all the time. So you'd have to be a, but pretty much you to be able to go about doing something like this. So definitely not recommended for other people to give that a try. You use ultrasound guidance. Why is it important to have ultrasound guidance with it? Well, with these injections, precision is key. So with the AR headset with ultrasound, I can see my needle precisely. I'm injecting in a small tear of a labrum that's only a few millimeters. Mm -hmm. uh, so that needle has to be exactly in the right spot when I inject those cells. Otherwise the results are not gonna be, they're not gonna be satisfactory. Yeah. So people who go and get maybe stem cell treatments and they just shoot a whole bunch of different injections like all throughout their knee, not gonna show. There, there's a lot of bad results. stuff out there on stem cells. Unfortunately, that's one of the reasons insurance doesn't cover it. There's places that'll inject it IV and tell you it'll find its way to where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, um, the, you know, there's ones that use what they call order in cells, but uh, again, these, these things are invalid and it's part of the problem in medicine. There's no, 
real oversight over some of this stuff and, and patients don't really know the difference. And unfortunately that results in, in lack of positive outcomes. So yeah, we've been doing stem cells for well over 10 years now. We have thousands of patients, data points. We track all of our results and data. And you know, I'm just one example of that. I, you know, I'm pushing the far end of what you can do after a stem cell procedure. I'm four years out from my injection and, and I'm set to go climb Everest. I work out every single day of the week. I have zero symptoms and wow. yeah, I, I was told I was going to need a surgery. I think your pavement analogy is a good one. Tell us that yes, one. Yes. People ask, well, how do stem cells work? And what they don't do is make you, you know, 20 years old again. <laughs> so that's, that's <laughs> number it. one. <laughs> you can't turn back the clock. That's You can't do that quite yet. But what it does is help heal and repair the tissue that's damaged. And for joints, if you have arthritis, there's a great example. If you have a road that has a whole bunch of potholes in it, that's essentially what your joint would look like if you have arthritis. So when you're using stem cells, it's like a surface paving of the road. You're going in to fill in the potholes. You're not getting a brand new road. Uh, you're not getting a larger road or anything like that. You're filling in the potholes and doing a surface sealing of the road. Stem cells go in, they fill in the cracks and crevices and, and make that surface smoother and more healthy in the joint. And stronger, right? And stronger, yes. Yeah, and that's stronger, exactly which right. is another a good preventative type things to it. People talk uh, steroid injections all the time. I know you've got strong opinions about uh, steroid injections and when they're maybe necessary. And I know it's not part of your specific health journey, but I'll let you do your soapbox on that. <laughs> yeah, I would never get a steroid injection unless it was absolutely necessary. I, I didn't get one from my hip. I refuse that. Steroids are corrosive. So, you know, if you need them for a short period of time or, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a conflict and you can't get stem cells immediately, uh, steroids work great for temporary pain control. If it's a, just a temporary inflammatory event, then yes, yeah, steroids can help. But you really shouldn't depend on steroids to get you through the problem. That, that doesn't work well. So, for example, if you have a, a labral tear or arthritis in your hip and you keep putting steroids in there, that tissue is just going to continue to degrade and degrade and degrade. It's not fixing anything. You're essentially covering up the problem by treating the symptoms. With stem cells, you're treating the problem. Yes, it's more involved. Insurance doesn't cover it. The procedure is a little bit more involved. But long term, it's definitely the better way to go. That's a, a really good distinction of there can be certain cases where it's valid for a short period of time, but no one should be expecting to be healed from a steroid injection. Yeah, you know, if I was a marathon runner and training for a marathon and I got severe inflammation a week or two before the race, I would do a steroid because that's going to get you through the race. You've trained all this time. A one-time injection is not a big deal, but you don't come back, you know, a month or two later and get it again and again and again. That's where you start getting uh, problems with the steroid injection. In your clinic, has there ever been some unique cases for using stem cells that have brought specific people back to back to their game, or just like you? Lots of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we treat multiple areas with stem cells. You know, one of the biggest areas we're seeing success with is back pain. Mm. Uh, so patients with degenerated discs or partially herniated discs, and they're told they need a fusion surgery or discectomy. That's a big surgery and has a lot of adverse risk and outcome. If you can treat it with a minimally invasive procedure, that's great. We've seen life-changing results for many patients with spine stem cell injections. We've seen it for fractures that don't heal. We treated a young mountain bike racer in his 20s. He had multiple surgeries and his fractures wasn't healing. We treated him once with stem cells and the, the x-ray looked amazing. It was really crazy to watch that work. Um, but yeah, we, we have a number of individuals from athletes to recreational individuals to just those that want to be able to move about. Stem cells work exceptionally well. If you're told you need a joint replacement or surgery, in my opinion, you should try the more conservative approach first by using stem cells. 
It doesn't work right away though, right? It doesn't. Uh, patience, <laughs> uh, patience is a virtue. <laughs> like any healing process, it's not instantaneous. When you get a steroid, you get pretty good pain relief right away because you're just covering up the problem. It's a symptom treatment. With stem cells, you're fixing the problem and that takes time. Just like if you had a broken bone or cut skin, it doesn't heal in a week. It doesn't heal in a day. It takes several weeks or even months to heal. Same thing with stem cells. These things aren't magic. They're doing what your body would normally do. It takes time to heal those tissues. You typically don't see results for three to six months. For my hip, it was almost exactly six months till yeah. I got any relief at all. I remember you saying you thought you were going to be one of the rare exceptions of it not working. Right? Yeah, I was mad after going through that procedure. <laughs> I thought I was one of the one of the ones that just wasn't going to work in. And then all of a sudden, right around six months, I woke up and I'm like, man, that feels good. And really it haven't looked crazy. back. It's been four years with no symptoms. It's it's really crazy, and it was it was overnight. It was amazing. And certainly, you're putting the miles on that hip. I mean, between stairmaster and bike and run and Light all vest the things, and mountain climbing, yeah, yes. all of the things. It's certainly been put to the test. Uh, that's for sure. I'm testing the surface paving. <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> testing it for sure. Just as an off side story, so it sounds like your doctoring has definitely been able to help you get back to climbing. But there was a, a time I think people would be interested in hearing about where you really had to wear your doctor hat on the mountain and that was to help and rescue one of your guides uh, so tell us that story yeah things don't go well in the mountains um, you know you, you can't uh, you can't control everything even the most prepared and skilled individuals can still have injuries still get sick and you know the first time we tried Aconcagua in South America it was me and one guide and he wasn't aware that I was preparing, you know, to altitude train and everything else ahead of time. He's done the mountain several times, so he felt comfortable doing a fast pace. And unfortunately, he got sick when we were up at high camp and got what's called high altitude pulmonary edema. And he was a bit disoriented, so he, was, he wasn't aware he was sick. So I recognized the symptoms, you know, he's coughing up blood and everything else. And I had to talk him into coming down the mountain. He really didn't want to. He wanted to go to the summit. You know, it was clear to me that that wasn't going to happen. So I had to help him and it took me over an hour to convince him to, to head down the mountain. And finally, I just had to say, hey, I'm the client. I'm going down the mountain with or without you. And then, you know, he came along and, and that was a, a fortunate decision because he was super sick. Mm -hmm. And when he got down, it took him several days to recover after that. I really think, and, and he has said this, that you saved his life that day. And that's about making smart choices and making sure that you understand the altitude does a crazy thing to your critical thinking skills and being, you know, hyper aware of that and being part of it. I know you go on each mountain with a pretty extensive doctor kit, a bag of things that helps you deal with circumstances that might come up for you or those that you're climbing with. Yeah, you know, I, I try to prepare as much as possible. You can never be too prepared. And again, the mountain will determine whether you're going to climb it or not. And, you know, just because you're there and prepared doesn't mean you're getting to the summit. And the mountain will be there next year. It's not it's not critical to get up there just in that time. Yes, it's a pain. You spent a lot of money on it, a lot of time training. You sacrifice quite a bit to be there, but it's not worth your life and it's not worth, you know, being injured. So if it's not your day, it's not your day. Just you know, wait till next time. And yeah, medications are key to that too. I mean, you're going to, no matter what, you're not going to feel great on some of these mountains and different medications will help get you through the day and get you up there. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your health journey about stem cells. And certainly I like hearing what you said last about making cautious and conservative and careful decisions. Definitely happy to hear that. And you can keep saying that to me and reassuring me as much as you possibly can. Thanks so much for joining us. I am Diane McGinley. I'm here with Dr. Joseph McGinley. This is our podcast from Wyoming to Everest.